Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Let's just jump into it, shall we? Let's do it. What the heck happened today? Oh, what do you mean? What happened today? The news that the uh, epic <laughs> with mega scans. My God. Yeah. You're an environment artist, right? That's the direction you're in, or mm -hmm. you do yes. a lot of things now, and I want to unpack that. But uh, guys, welcome Brandon Fam to uh, to to what we do here. Um, Brandon, these are students that are here, and then of course we're recording this for the podcast later. Um, but what do you think of that news? I mean, why don't we just start with the, with that piece of news and mm -hmm. see where it goes. I think it's great. I think it opens up uh, a lot of avenues for artists. We're going to start seeing a lot of hobbyists and personal work and professional work, bringing it up a notch. Um, them making it available for everyone for free is, is fantastic. Uh, we're actually – so I, I run a company. Mm -hmm. uh, called Godemics. We're actually partners with Quixel. Mm -hmm. And so it's, we know a lot of people from that team. We interact with them a lot and it's, we're so happy for them. It's a, it's a very dedicated small team, despite of, uh, how big their Megascan library is. It's a very small team and, uh, it, it just makes total sense that they made this. I actually was kind of joking with them on why this wasn't done sooner. It, it seemed pretty obvious that Epic and Quixel had like this relationship going on and everyone was kind of waiting on either Unreal or Unity buying them. And so it's, it's great that uh, <laughs> the bombshell kind of dropped. Yeah. I, yeah. Amazing. Right. And it's amazing what that opens up. Cause literally right now I can go in and download almost any, I mean, any asset that I've been able to see, I can get it into Unreal now in seconds. And, uh, and that's now, today. And they just announced mm -hmm. it like eight hours ago. Yep. Yeah, so it's, it's fantastic, yeah. The question that I got here, though, the thing that um, I want to understand is, you know, of course, it's kind of like, what does that mean? And uh, yeah, it's fun, it's great, it's all that. But I mean, I, you know, I used to work at um, Pixelogic. I helped bring ZBrush into the world. And ZBrush killed a lot of jobs. A lot. Mm -hmm. So what does this mean for environment artists. And I don't, I'm not trying to throw like, you know, a bunch of red herrings and flags out there. I just mean like, you know, there's going to be some change. And if somebody wants to be a very compelling artist, I don't, I think it's going to be less likely that they get by with prop work than maybe they were four years ago. Do you agree with that? In the last few years. Symmetry. Uh, pretty Wait, much. Start. Hold on one sec, Brendan. You you came in and out. Was that awesome. me, guys, or is it me? There you go. I came in a bit late. Okay. All right. So uh, prop work has been kind of phasing out in the environment oh. uh, field for the last few years, or even yeah. more, uh, due to outsourcing mostly, but. Uh, when it comes to junior level positions to get into environment, yeah, uh, a lot more has been required. Um, you, you can't get by with just turning in a mailbox as much <laughs> as in, in like the earlier days. Yeah, when I first got in the industry over ten years ago, right? Uh, you know, you you need to be able to show at least a mini environment showing mm -hmm. some kind of composition. So that that still is prevalent, right? Even with photogrammetry, um, a little history at least with photogrammetry. On a personal level, it's 2016 um, when I worked on um, – we were moving off of Advanced Warfare Call of Duty and we were working on World War II. Mm -hmm. that, that was the first introduction I've had with it where the team was starting to do research. And naturally, the thing that you're speaking of is like the texture artists. And so what are they going to do all day? Yeah. <laughs> we're just taking images. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, 3D assets, right? Um, uh -huh. At least when it comes to realistic games – uh, these are these are great news. I think anybody that 
goes into a technical job such as our industry has to be prepared for automation uh, at every phase. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think I talked to my friends and even teased animators at a certain point where they kind of went through the same cycle yeah. when mocap became very popular. I was like, oh, I guess you guys are out of jobs. <laughs> but that's, <laughs> I mean, simply not true, right? I mean, yeah. if anything, we, we need more animators more than ever. Although the technology has gotten better, they still need to be able to clean up and express and be in those creative rooms to come up with ideas and and the execution, if anything, has been easier, but at the same time, uh, the technical know-how of how to bring it to a polished final version is required of any great artist. And yeah. I still put value, and I think most people still put value into creativity more than the tools and techniques. Totally. Um, and so with photogrammetry finally arriving, I think, um, at least in the public access where hobbyists now can can really play with it, where professionals have been playing with it for years now, is great. And we're going to have a lot better looking work, but you put a professional, you know, having the access of mega scans and a beginner, there's going to be a clear difference as always with anything. Yeah. Um, the jobs, if anything, will shift towards creativity and require less and less just knowing the programs, because in the end, we, we value the uh, expression, right? We don't value the how, you, how, how good you are at making tileable textures. It's not, it's not as important um, right. as anything else. So, Well, you know, um, I don't know how long you were at Turtle Rock, but do you know Kelly, Steve's wife? Yes. So I she so. was... Uh, the first time I met her, it was down in the village here in Laguna. And, um, and the first thing I, you, first conversation we had was mocap. Like, cause she's like, I'm an animator. And I'm like, didn't mocap kill that? You know, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of, do you need money? <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of like, you know, just poking her to see how she kind of takes that. And uh, so we yeah. had this great long conversation about that and how, you know, everybody was scared, but really just like you're saying, it comes back to the art. Exactly. I think within games, especially, we there's so much requirement to actually. Uh, sorry if my baby's crying in the back. <laughs> Tell me if it's too loud. Um, yeah, it always comes back to creativity. Uh, I think it's a great thing because, especially with AAA development and even indie development, right? There's so much. There's so much attention needed from an artist to mm-hmm. put out what consumers expect now, which is high quality all the time. Right. And so tools like this if it will enable us and, and still hit the bar that we need with smaller teams. Um, yeah. And so the struggle, if anything, everyone should rejoice and be happy about this because now, uh, yes, the bar is set higher. Um, nobody should be putting out ugly sculpted rocks anymore at least right? we don't want to see that anymore so this is great news uh, it just raises the bar on all levels so as an environment artist and for, for students or professionals alike who are trying to switch or, or get into environment art it's it enables us to kind of focus on other things and mm-hmm. I think in all industries not just ours we're, we're reaching automation in every aspect so um, you either can sit and whine about it, which I feel like people who are never on the cutting edge of game development will maybe complain about it, mm-hmm. but they've all, they're already left in the dust long ago. They already think like that. Um, like I'm already looking into Blender. I mean, Blender has been kind of like was a joke a few years ago. <laughs> but, Just literally three years ago. Yeah, and I was making fun of Blender, but I now I'm to. the one. Yeah, I'm the one. Get... Yeah, and I'm crawling back to these. <laughs> to, well, we kind of, me and my friends, kind of call them vegans because they love talking about it when nobody was, you know, really paying attention to it. But now we're going back to these guys asking for tips of how to use this program because now they're masters and ahead of the curve. And it's just crazy every every two three years it's something like that with mm. tools. And, and programs it's just you never know 
And a lot of it's just because softwares that were dominant just get lazy and innovation happens in other uh, corners of the industry. So uh, mm. you just can't, at least in the game industry, we move so fast with everything. And I'm sure, I mean, you bring in the ZBrush wave, you've seen it and people are laughing how, and even now, like there's photogrammetry with environment, but 3D scans is, have always been popular with characters. Uh, I mean, I'm sure when you talk to your character friends, they're not really worried about their job. They're still active and fine. They killed yeah. a lot of jobs, but I would say it's a lot of useless jobs, to be honest. Like, no one wants to spend time. I, I, I tease about it, but sculpting rocks, you talk to a 3D artist about their time sitting there sculpting rocks. It's like, yeah, there's like the Zen moment of it, but uh, people say that just to like, not feel so bad about those wasted time. <laughs> it's like it people take, who it takes a lot of time to make a lot it look more good. than people think. You know, because yeah. I have I have students and they're like, I want to ZBrush this, and I'm like, go to Mega Scans. No, <laughs> yeah, no, I want to ZBrush this, and I'm like, okay, ZBrushes, come back to me in 24 hours and tell me yeah. how that works out because it is labor intensive. Labor intensive, yeah. It's the yeah. same thing with UVing. Like people who love UVing, it's like some something's wrong with you. You know, it's like you shouldn't love. <laughs> <laughs> just laying out UVs. There's so much other things you can do during development mm. to make the final final art. But people kind of kind of resolve to the abuse a bit to kind of make <laughs> it feel easier. That's how I relate to it. So sculpting rocks and all these mega scan assets, essentially. Now that I'm pretty sure that's going to be a term. It's not mm. like sculpting rocks in, in in mountain ranges anymore. It's like oh, I'll just mega scan that. It's going to be a verb, um, which is great because it's. I'm done with that. I'm done with that part of my life. <laughs> if someone can take a photo and I can use it and express my game in a, in a better way, then yeah, man, all for it. Talk to me about your career because this is, this is your LinkedIn, right? Mm-hmm. That's me. Th this, is, uh, this is varied, man. I mean, I love this. It's like I thought I did a bunch of stuff. Um, so we're looking at this. You start – and of course, you know, we're starting in 2007, so there's a lot of stuff going on there. You're going through 3D artist, environment artist, cinematic, so you're, you're you know, changing um, some of things up there. Now you co-found a school. I don't know what Blue Champs is, and now you're doing Gode uh, Godemics, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you've been through, because right about 2017, like, I, for me, I game environments has changed so dramatically so you've weathered some of those changes seen all of that stuff happen started your own business looks like three businesses mm -hmm. um, so what's the what's the goal for you how are you what are you aiming to achieve here uh independence to be honest mm -hmm. um and i'm sure you've been through the industry enough to know about this it's just having control is the most important thing especially the game industry is being so volatile mm -hmm. uh Having the ability to call the shots and or at least see to the end of your success and failure became more important to me in the last mm -hmm. few years. Mm -hmm. And you can see like the shift. I, I, I kind of started my career with AAA. So for a good part of seven to ten years, AAA was the only aspect of game development I knew about. Right. Um, I started with Bioshock 2, went to XCOM, switched to Lost Planet 3, went back to the Bay Area to work on Call of Duties. A couple of them, and then at that point of my life, I was like, "Oh, you know, the feeling of um, releasing big games that everyone heard of just really wore off." Um, in a way, I kind of was burnt out from it. Sure. And uh, there was probably a lot of crunch back then too, right? There was a lot of crunch, but you know, I started my family early, so I was I was conscious enough to to make decisions like I'm gonna go home. So I wasn't stuck in that like 60, 80-hour week, you know. I, I later paid part of my career, which was probably after the five-year mark, where I started to be more confident to kind of talk back to my – well, not talk back, but like speak to my supervisor and say, hey, I got my work done. I'm just going to go home, you know. Um, a lot of that, you know, junior artists or mid-level are, are more scared because understandably so, it can be very – um, career risky to kind of mm -hmm. to do that type of stuff, but uh, I had no choice, man. I, I have a kid and family. 
that yeah. I would love to spend time with. And uh, it just makes it easier when you justify it like that. So, and um, so at that point in my career, when I was up in Sledgehammer, you know, uh, I don't know if you, you know about this, talking to your friends and, and, and people in the industry is the last few years, AAA has gotten a lot more like um, strangling with uh, your time away from work. Like it's, it's impossible now to work on personal artwork outside of work, uh, at least at the bigger studios. Uh, some, maybe there's a few that encourages that, but it's becoming at least to in my circles like they write it within the contract and say hey anything you do outside of work is owned by us it used to be just like hey any project that is somewhat competitive uh first person shooter like if we're making first person shooter you can't do a first person shooter at home it's like oh, okay i get that and then it slowly spread out as like well you know if it's on the same console you can't work on that it's like well, all right it's getting getting a little murky here and then suddenly it's like, hey, you can't even do like a render. <laughs> if I want to put some mega scan rocks together, I can't put it out there. I was like, what is going on? And a lot of it's uh, cre credit to um, just just how big our industry's gone. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, striking out on their own and, and finding success within that. And so a lot of good guys within a studio that becomes integral to like a franchise, you know, start looking for that has other options, right? Which is something that should be celebrated, right? Like finally game artists can do more than what they're assigned to do at work, right? So, mm -hmm. so around that time I was feeling that type of pressure. And so I started exploring. I started exploring professionally. I was like, all right, I wonder what a smaller studio looks like. Because it seems like you can have more control, a little bit more uh, credibility in terms of like just uh, input, right? And then seeing that um, seeing that being realized um, in a bigger studio, it, it's great to kind of be part of like this huge launch party, crazy marketing, uh, and then everybody knows about it, right? But in the end, it's like if you step back, I felt like, uh, well, I, you know. I, I, if I didn't exist, this thing probably still would be out there. And at a certain point, it was kind of like, then what am I making games for? You know, um, if I, if I, if if something I'm putting out there um, belongs to everybody else, but not to myself in a way, right? So mm -hmm. there was a little soul searching there, where you know I started going to smaller studios, and I started liking that. But then the the flip side of that is of course <laughs> there's the, the stability isn't there because you're still in like a product driven industry right you put something out there it sells therefore you can work on other projects after that mm -hmm. so with star studio even though you get the input and independence and you know freedom to work and everybody you know like cheers knows your name type of thing I mean, that's the, that's the alert, but the negative side is like, oh man, every dollar counts here. You can't, <laughs> Donut Fridays can start out as Donut Fridays and then can disappear the next week if we're not doing well. It's like, oh my God. So that was, uh, that was an experience. And then, so I started going and exploring the mobile side, which is a whole different world, um, uh, working uh, at Pocket Gyms. And, and Turtle Rock. Turtle Rock was kind of like the middle ground of like not AAA, but like not independent, right? Mm -hmm. So I really was just looking for studios around and and seeing like what's the difference as my own research. Um, and so I was doing that. And then when I landed at the mobile studio last year, well, earlier this year, to be honest, um, the uh, it was it was actually pretty great. Uh, it's a lot easier. And it paid well, but then, um, you know, at that point, I was already working on all these side businesses, and it was more for me to kind of stabilize to start going off on my own. Mm -hmm. So the podcast was kind of like my answer. If you look at the podcast, uh, Game Dev Unchained, I started that with my friend uh, four years ago, right after 
I quit Sledgehammer. So that kind of, and the podcast, if anything, is kind of just talking about the lifestyle and um, uh, of game development and, uh, you know, just, just generally what game development really is about, mm-hmm. which four years ago was a little taboo, but now it's kind of becoming more popular about the ugliness of that industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, we've you kind of adapted and improved to make sure we provide solutions and not just have a bitch fest <laughs> about the game industry because that's not productive for anyone. But like, um, but a lot of that came from this um, this confusion. This uh, it's not anger, but this. Um, well, the pressure, but also frustration about mm-hmm. game development. And uh, at the same time, I was exploring things professionally, what the indie development crowd looks like, what smaller studio operated like, and what mobile studios, which was... And that these felt, although they're all about game development, they're like foreign countries in terms of uh, how the studio setup is, how everybody is within those... In a game environment, like you would have people that uh, didn't go to any of those industries, and it was just, it was great to kind of see how they think and how positive or or negative, just to get all that data for myself to to see where I want to head to next. Um, it, it was just uh, last four or five years was a lot of that. And that was why, you know, the podcast came out of that. Godemics is something that I'm running with my partner right now. We provide consulting and uh, education and code development for Unreal Engine uh, to this blossoming industry. And I know uh, if the students and and anybody um, that is listening about this, but the enterprise industry, we're talking about every industry outside of games practically, Mm-hmm. is utilizing a lot of game tools right now. And so now you have the combination of game technology that we all love using. We kind of started this off with Megascans. And then um, the stability of these other industries that the game industry is still kind of getting the grips on, right? Yeah. And although it's not as fun, and that's the one thing that you do hear uh, from developers working at Tesla or Google or Facebook, right? These are the other industries I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's hard to argue at least how much time they have to themselves now. <laughs> because uh, as a game developer ages, right, naturally we, we start having family or other focuses in our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game industry hasn't, at least in my own personal opinion, evolved enough to kind of be ready for us, you know, for that 40-year-old plus with the family uh, stability or, or a promise of stability, right, and not completely dependent on the next three years being a waste or not on a, on a game, on a single release. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of figuring out in the game industry that I think that we're still struggling with. Yeah. That other industries, such as this enterprise space, is offering. Um, and that's that's a lot what we've been focusing on the last few years. So okay, I wanna circle around um, with the students uh, and environment art and some of that stuff here in a second. But t- um, tell me a little bit more about the enterprise in terms of you know, like I've got, we've got a group of artists that are here. Um, and so I can imagine, I mean, now what a, a, any game artist can offer to a studio now with mega scans being completely free is this is just going to go even deeper. Um, but if they're looking at this themselves, who are they looking to uh, get hired by? So I'm an environment artist. I hear you. I say, okay, I, okay. This is. I understand what you're saying about enterprise, and you know what? I don't care about it being sexy. I, I need to support my family. Um, who am I going to? Am I going to architecture firms? Am, am I going to you to go demics? You know, how, how am I connecting with that market? Does that make sense? 
Yeah, that market right now is really quite new. So mm -hmm. there's a, this is the main problem with that market. That side of that fence have no connections to game developers. And game developers on our side have no idea that that space even exists. Right. Um, and so there's this like huge disconnect between the two. And so even if we go to our usual suspect for applying for these type of jobs, they're not posting there <laughs> because they don't know anything about our station right. or anywhere that we usually look for jobs. Right. right they don't right. know our industry at all. And so, um, it's it's a little tough for a student to kind of reach out. A lot of it has to do with um, hanging out at these networking conventions. So they're trying to find us, right? They're going to hang out at GDC. They're going to hang out at um, an Unreal event or a Unity event because that just uh, because the engine essentially that they're using to kind of produce these products are either of those two engines. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're definitely not making their own engine, right? They have no idea, right? Yeah. So they're going to use any of those two, and they're going to use those events to kind of recruit people. So when you go to these events, try to not just go straight to the usual big AAA booths and apply for jobs. A lot of them are kind of smaller, these smaller tables and not as fancy logos, right? Uh, they're mm -hmm. there. They're definitely there. And a lot of their work is straightly applicable to the highest end uh, graphics. So mega scans, anything that you can want, that you want to put your your effort in uh, to the highest quality, these people can do it. Uh, these companies are looking for it because their enterprise space isn't exactly looking for like stylistic um, <laughs> type of output. Maybe some. Uh, if they are, well, most of them are looking for realism. Or realism. Some of them, if they're looking, they're working at like an animation type of studio. A lot of these animation studios are utilizing Unreal uh, for real-time shows, right? So imagine that. And if you look at like uh, the Disney Junior shows or any of those kid shows that are on TV right now, mm -hmm. and look at the 3D and render, they're definitely achievable, right? Uh, or even it can be surpassed by game engines now. That's how great things are now. Yeah. Uh, and the workflow is something that they're trying to wrap their heads around because game development workflow is a lot more collaborative, mm -hmm. uh, actually works better. And so there some savvy studios, and a lot of it is just like ex-game developers inside these studios kind of helping the, with the transition. Right. Um, you can work on these type of shows. All these shows that you see on TV or I guess streaming platform now or Disney Plus, right? Let's, Disney Plus is today. Mm -hmm. um, will be shifting towards this game engine workflow. Yeah. And that's where the big jobs are. Um, and a lot of students should really try that uh, or, or look at that as a possibility, as avenue. Not as students, as uh, just just as professionals as well, professionals who are looking to make a change um, in career, but using the same tools and techniques and be kind of like dominant in the new space. It's, it's an yeah. exciting space uh, to be in. Yeah, I agree. It's um, I, people, you know, cause I came from a digital sculpting background. So people kind of ask me sometimes how I got into this, the games idea. And um, you know, I, I've trained for film, you know, I've, I've trained in concept. I've done a, I've done a lot over the last decade or so, uh, different areas. But games is always the most sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, in you know, film, you, the entire the entire company is basically laid off after production, right? Yeah, it's all in Canada um, now, right? <laughs> yeah, and so you know, I saw games as the most uh, stable, but also everybody was shifting to game tech. So film previs was going to game tech. And now there's actually entire scenes in film. Someone was telling me about Star Wars and mm -hmm. how, you know, there's entire scenes that are just done in Unreal. Oh, yeah. And, and now this is uh, Enterprise. And you're I totally get what you're saying about um, so actual like cartoons, kids cartoons not being done in, say, Maya per se, but put them in Unreal. Yeah. Everything's shifting. It's a lot more stable. Is it still games? 
you know? And, and basically, I'm asking, should I keep calling the company Game Art Institute or should I just start calling it something else? <laughs> oh, Real-Time Institute might be a, a catchy name. Yeah. Because it, we're I, real, I thought of it. Dealing with, yeah, we're dealing with real-time now. I mean, essentially, it's real-time graphics, right? That's what we're slowly changing into. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, these shows, uh, you're, you're talking about, like, virtual production. That's another aspect that students should get into as well, especially as an environment artist, right? Um, you're talking about these Disney shows, right? A lot of what directors are doing now is that they want to visualize the scene with the 3D art. Instead of looking at the green screen and the actor and waiting till with, you know, post uh post-processing, right? Uh, waiting for the three graphics to be added later. Mm -hmm. Directors now can hold a camera up and within Unreal, be able to move the camera and the digital camera within the engine and see the environment with the actors in it. And that's what's being utilized right now in a lot of these films. And it's a way better workflow, right? Uh, right. And a lot of, all those scenes are made by development, uh, you know, 3D artists, uh, environment artists. Mm -hmm. um, to, to help the director realize his vision on set. And as game tech gets better, it's, they're not going to have to revisit that scene and, and touch it up and render it anymore. Right? We're, it's going to be a while, right, to, to get pre-render is hard, right? Uh, to the 5% or like 0.1% of artists out there, mm -hmm. we can tell the difference. Of course, there's a difference to pre-render in real time. But to the regular consumer, they can't tell, right? They're not trained enough to, to be able to tell that part. But all industries are, are moving towards this approach because why not? Why would you wait when you can just render it now? A lot with like mega scans. Why wait when you can just download the rock? Uh, <laughs> why wait 24 hours to, to sculpt something that might not look as, probably won't look as good as my real rock? Like what's realer than a picture, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, I tell my yeah. students, you know, if you're going to sculpt that rock, the problem is the level of complexity is so much greater than you think. Yeah. And you get so much for free when you sample from reality. Um, but I want to circle back on this and um, and also uh, this whole notion of enterprise. And you do game dev, and you know, you you've been in this and and in the fight for quite some time. But um, where do you find your inspiration? And um, around that question, I, I kind of want to peg this one thought that a lot of times when we're learning, we find our inspiration just from the fact that we finally are able to do something, right? It's like, mm -hmm. okay, God, I finally understand ZBrush. Okay, finally understand that. Um, but the market doesn't reward that at the same level anymore, right? Like you can learn, I tell my students this, even though I help build ZBrush, I love ZBrush. I love the team behind it. I tell them, you just knowing ZBrush doesn't get you a job anymore, mm -hmm. you know? It used to you know, 10 years ago, uh, but it doesn't anymore. Now you got to know it and you got to be damn good, mm -hmm. you know, and pick up some anatomy. Um, but um, where do you find your inspiration now? Um, what inspires you and keeps you kind of moving? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of it's just from myself. I think anybody who's an artist, you got to look within yourself to want to put something out there that people can relate to, right? That's, I think that's the, the truest form of expression. Mm -hmm. You go to our station right now, I think a lot of the mistakes that people are doing is that, like, oh, this looks popular. I'm going to do a piece like this or today's The Mandalorian Disney Plus. I swear I'm not being sponsored by Disney Plus. I said it like 10 times. <laughs> but like you're going to start seeing a lot of Star Wars artwork on your feet because people are trying to cash in on this little craze, right? The little trend. Are. Yeah, and I think that's just the wrong way to do it. Um, I, I yeah, yeah, exactly. So a lot of them, a lot of what I like to do, it comes from my personal experience. Like it comes from story. Like what are you trying to say? Do you have something to say? Do you have something to relate to the world right now through your art form, either through two D, three D, music, whatever? If you don't have anything to say, don't, don't say it. That means you just need to experience more things. You need to go out, travel, meet more people. Um, anything that you can collect that at, at a certain point you, you feel like you're, you're, you're 
busting out of your skin just to put it on paper, right? Mm -hmm. That's when I feel like is something that you want to put something out meaningful that people can be attracted to, right? Um, a lot as a student uh, and anyone looking to do personal work, if, if you're looking to just improve your, your technique and tools, yeah, that's great. Yeah, you can you put a schedule to that every week, dedicate some time to it, and every month make sure you have a piece out and repeat that process until you feel very strongly about the tools that you're using, right? Either the game engine or uh, your 3D program or 2D software or whatever. Uh, but after a certain point, you know, you can keep doing that forever because you and I know every month, especially with the new ZBrushes, there's like a new tool that you have to sit down and kind of study. <laughs> it's like, what what else is in there? Unravel that. And it's like, what else can I use? It used to take uh, me a, a month. After every release, I used to, it, I, I had to spend a month just learning it, you know, because once I no longer, I was no longer in development, I didn't know exactly what Ofer was thinking. So I had, it took me a month, every single episode. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of grateful I don't do it anymore because that was, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's draining. And especially yeah. as an environment artist, all these students, I'm kind of biased, but I feel like environment artists has to learn so many programs just to do one thing. I'd agree. Right? And um, it's every month it's something like that. If it's not substance, even with Quixel and Maze scans, like there's a level of preparation to make it look right yep. within the engine. Uh, you can't just, it's not drag and drop. It's as close as, as ever, right? But there's a there's a there's an element to it to to put together a composition to make it look good and the lighting and the, yeah, lighting. And the lighting oh yeah there's a whole aspect to it so a lot of my time when i dedicate time to doing personal artwork is analyzing the tools you know the new updates and then wanting to do something with the tools to express it right mm -hmm. so uh the problem that I had before was like, oh, all these programs, I'm like, I'll learn all this stuff and say, I got it. And then I walk away for like a month. Like when I was learning substance designer, I walk away from them. I was like, I forgot exactly what to do. <laughs> like it's not, it's not every day I wake up looking at nodes and, and, and patterning it and, and making it applicable to my daily yeah. life. It's like, if you're not using it every day, you're going to forget like all these nuances with every programs. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's gonna be endless like that. There's tools being released every every month. I feel every major release of the software that you didn't know is like a whole new update. And so uh, to keep up with that, to put out, out artwork out there that is worth a damn, you know, that isn't just just a waste out there. Which I feel like just a lot of output right now that just looks like it's just a lot of garbage to kind of sift through, right? Yeah. And um, if you want to stand apart from that, a lot of it's just coming, um, I feel, from a personal story. Like, what are you trying to say and how are you expressing that that's different from everyone else, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the tools and techniques, if anything, should come second to support that vision. And uh, at least the artwork that I've seen that I get attracted to, or even the games or other mediums that express themselves, uh I find that they're successful because of that. Right. Right. So I think anybody who's looking to improve or, or do something, don't just go after the tools and techniques because that's going to be an endless loop. You're never going to catch up. <laughs> you were saying like a month of catch up. Yep. But as soon as you were done with that, I'm sure there was another ZBrush release or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah. my God, I got to start over. Yeah, Ofer uh, was a little maddening there. Yeah. And uh, that happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, question for you. What did your parents think when you told them you were going to be a game artist? I grew up uh, pretty relaxed. Like mm -hmm. I was able to, I didn't have any restrictions. Um, I can watch, I can play, I can stay out without too many laws. <laughs> like I was, and I, I was thankful for that because I was able to explore whatever and so when I told my uh, my mom, uh, I found out that I wanted to do um, game development in junior year. Mm -hmm. I was I was modding uh, Counter Strike when I was in eighth grade, just on my own. And then I was uh, 
dedicate I was taking like these elective classes for 3D art during my freshman and sophomore year but I didn't know it was a career path until junior year when I saw that there were schools for it which was the Art Institute of Orange County I'm sh I'm sure you heard of it right it used to be there used to um, be there. like a lot of art institutes it's not there anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like, and so the, uh, yeah, so I went to that school and uh, my mom was fine with it. She was just glad that I had something that I wanted to go after. And she never understood it, right? Uh, she just know, knew that I played games a lot, but it wasn't something that, uh, you know, if I didn't know it was school, I mean, it's she's way older, but she's so far from that type of uh, entertainment where mm -hmm. she kind of just trusted that I knew what I was doing, yeah. uh, even that young. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I got started with that. I, I, I thankfully knew what I, I wanted to do uh, early enough in high school um, where I didn't waste my senior year <laughs> on like other things like math and science. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I wish I knew earlier. I would have had, you know, I mean, these things are all, they always come back, right? If, you, if I ever want to put out a game, all those, all those uh, other educational programs would have been helpful. It all comes back to your creative output, right? But yeah, if I had known that I was going to go to art school entering high school, I would have, I would have taken a lot more art classes for sure. But I think I would have had more of a relaxed time. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. I was I was studying and working as if I was going to a, a regular college, but then you know when I went to art school, it was like I don't we don't care about your grades. <laughs> it's like oh, that's nice to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, with that with the podcast, you're at over 200 episodes, right? Yes. And there's a couple of different branches, if I remember right. Uh, as I was looking mm -hmm. at, there's um there's game 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 dev unchained, but then there's a couple of other um, elements that you've started to pull off. Is there, is there, because I, I do these podcasts a lot so I can learn. So I'm just a junkie. Is there something that you've really picked up from an, any one particular podcast episode or person? Anything yeah. that stands out to you? A lot of it was how differently each compartment of game development thinks um, let me give you an example. Like, um, so coming from AAA, I, I kind of mentioned this before, and as I was exploring these different facets of game development, like the mobile industry, the indie industry, the smaller team industry, mm -hmm. I was very surprised how different uh, these sectors were from each other, where it, it's like little pockets that they don't even talk to each other. There, there was no bridge between indie development and AAA development or mobile development. like, And if I took a step back, you know, we can all kind of understand that, that we don't really talk to each other outside of our circles. Even working in an office, you only talk to people within arm's reach, right? So uh, the guy across the studio is somebody that I, I'll never talk to for four years. <laughs> I mean, that's just normal. Mm -hmm. within an office setting. So I, I, I was surprised to kind of find out that because these different departments of game development don't really go to the same um, events, right, or even hang out at the same parties, that uh, they their outlook on the game, game industry was a lot different. Uh, so their attitudes when they bring it to the workplace is a lot different. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, to go into more detail, like AAA development, I knew what that was like, right? It's it's long. It's it's a lot of um, hours and, and uh, uh, expectation of quality at the same time. Uh, there's a mortality on time always, right? So uh, it's it can be a very stressful type environment. And, um, but at the same time, there's a lot of satisfaction to putting out a game that everyone's heard of, right? We all worked, you know, or you, you know, you worked on games or you worked on, um, media or, or, you know, friends that worked on stuff that, 
that people have heard of and versus the people who've never heard of it, right? And those conversations are not as fun. It's like, oh, it's that I worked on this game. It's like, oh, what is that? Oh, it's it's this thing. Uh, you know, it, it takes place with us. Like, oh, I never heard of it. Sorry, yeah. Well, <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. I worked on it though. That's you asked. Don't make it sound like I'm. I brought this on you for no reason. I, I tell uh, people I, I spent a, a week on Green Lantern, and that's never a positive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So we have definitely titles that we're proud of, and other titles we're not as proud of. But like with the smaller games, yeah, you put out games out there. But the 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 day to day is um, when I talk to these people on the podcast, it's such there's a, a certain amount of satisfaction with that. Well, a, a lot of satisfaction with that because you're working with your friends or or people that you only want to work with. So um, it's not as many strangers, right? When you're working at these smaller companies, it's mm -hmm. all through referral and everyone's coming together because uh, mostly through passion, right? It's not, it's definitely not the money. <laughs> I can tell you that it's not, you don't get paid as, as, as well in smaller companies. Mm -hmm. um, the perks aren't as much, right? But the, the project and the passion behind the project, um, I, I feel is a lot greater. Um, just through talking to people uh, on the podcast and, and experiencing it myself, a lot of uh, the podcast, I use it as a learning utility as well. It was to invite people to kind of explore and figure out uh, and have a better grasp about the industry because it is our future, right? It's my future that I'm dealing with. I, I want to be taking in the data and, and figure things out before I, I, I find out that I'm that old guy that's irrelevant, right? So, um, yeah, it, a lot of the podcasts and the guests that I bring on has helped kind of shape my career because I was like, wow, this guy has a lot of good things to say about smaller companies. I'm going to try that then. Mm -hmm. So I would do that professionally. And it's like, well, this guy said the mobile industry is actually really stable, uh, not as challenging, but your, your enjoyment of life is far greater. It's like, oh, it sounds interesting. And yeah, the mobile industry pays really well, has all the perks of bigger studios. Huge market too. I mean, huge market. Yeah. And because they find out their data day to day instead of waiting three years, right? Oh, that yeah. changes the whole aspect of game development. It's like, whoa, this is a really different way of thinking things. This is a very evolved product. Uh, uh, business product, right? Uh, business um, model for for a product, right? So does that um, does that possibly change with first the way Cloud Imperium does their thing, and then maybe now with Stadia <laughs> and XCloud? Cloud Imperium is kind of like in their own kind of yard of. A, <laughs> I don't know if you have friends there. I do, and I yeah. always tease them about it. It's like their best interest is never to release that game. It's like it would it would be a negative profit if they released that game, you know, because they've earned so much before release mm -hmm. that what's what's their motivation to release it? They're still earning millions every week. They have this ticker on their website that shows how much support they get. And uh, if, it, if, if they do release it and run the chance of it not being as good as they promised, right, they, the, the money train, the gravy train will stop. So why would they ever release it? And the problem with that model, and a lot of it, I think, kind of killed the Kickstarter momentum that mm -hmm. had. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, I can finance the game that I like. I can have more control of what's being put out there and not have to go through publisher or wait for publishers to call the shots and see what's going to come out the other end, right? Now put the, put the control within the hands of our consumers. And and let's have a chance for anybody with a great idea to see it to finish, right? Yeah. And of course, that's like the the fairy tale version of what could have happened. And so, what the reality is kind of in the middle, right? You would have games that yeah, people supported and did really well, right? Small percentage, but most of it just underdelivered, overpromise. Right. And uh, I was sad that that didn't work out. Um, because I, I thought it was a great way to kind of help indie developers um, be completely independent, right? Mm -hmm. um, although that model is still kind of working for some, uh, 
you don't hear too much about Kickstarter being being the avenue anymore for a lot of game developers. So that's sad. But it did like kind of push some positivity out of it um, with the Stadia and and all that. I, I'm still on the fence about what that's about. Um, we live in the states, and so uh, we have that whole net neutrality thing. Um, I don't know about you, but I've hit my data cap a couple of times already, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is one terabyte. And uh, they did that in, in anticipation of all these streaming, like the, for movies and, and gaming. Gaming's way heavier on streaming than than movies. Uh, and so I, I don't know how that's going to play out if, if you're constantly paying too much on your data cap overages. Um so I don't know. Uh, like when I talk to developers about this and people who are working at Google on Stadia, like their outlook on it hasn't been overwhelmingly positive, which makes me kind of hesitate and, and wait and see. I don't, I don't think we're there yet. We're closer, but I, I think a lot of it's going to come from uh, the PlayStation and Xbox with their streaming strategy. They've been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. It's just not their premier uh, focus when they talk about PlayStation and Xbox, but they're slowly shifting to make sure that people know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think out of everything, Game Pass is pretty successful because they have both the PC and Xbox market. Um, but I'm, I'm going too off tangent. When it helps game developers is that it gives game developer the the positive outlook for that is that game developers can, you know, all these obscure titles, and I'm sure when you're in Netflix... You would you watch movies that you wouldn't normally watch, but it's there, so you watch it. So I'm hoping that that happens with games, right? All these obscure titles that doesn't have the marketing push yeah. as other titles can finally have their time to shine and build buzz around it. But uh, but you know that's only a small window. That's always a small window <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's not like Netflix. I'm looking for like indie titles. I'm looking for the big <laughs> titles that everyone talks about. And, Maybe like five percent of my time, I'm I'm watching something that I've never heard of, right? Well, so. tell me about uh, GDUX. Mm-hmm. I, I was looking at this. This is kind of interesting. What you guys are doing? You do it fairly often too, right? Yes. So GDUX, uh, GDUX.me yep. is something we created uh, this year. Um, so it was kind of like uh, it started kind of like a a reunion of of speakers or people we've had on the podcast Mm -hmm. and it's kind of an answer to what I've seen GDC as of late, right? Where the prices have just been shooting up. Uh, Accessibility to these talks have been more expensive, right? Um, Speakers aren't really giving their time on stage. Everyone's kind of being like rushed on stage and ignored uh, where I, I felt like events like GDC, it used to be about speaker and what we can learn the past year. Now it's just mostly for business um, meetings. So GDS was kind of like, well, why isn't this done online? Why can't we just bring all the speakers that have something important to say, something to teach about the industry, uh, what's on the cutting edge, and just give their time? And so we did that. So we ran the first one in June. We had 20 speakers for three days straight live streaming. And it was everybody that has something really interesting to say, that had timeless topics, uh, that anybody that finds it uh, five years from now uh, will find it helpful. And so we ran a second one uh, because the first one ran so well uh, just this past week uh, in November. Mm -hmm. And it went awesome. We were uh, sponsored by Unity and Perforce. And uh, it's something that we're going to do every six months because it, it seems like every six months something's happening. <laughs> uh, this Quixel one is a big one. This Megascan thing, I, I equate it to a lot of uh, students and a lot of colleagues of mine as like a photogrammetry in general is the next big jump since Normap. Um, it, it's uh, in, in combination with like ray tracing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the biggest jump for game art uh, I've seen uh, since I've been in the industry because we saw a big jump for PS1 and PS2, 
slight jump PS2 to PS3 and then slight jump from PS2 to PS4, but nothing groundbreaking, right? It was just like more stuff, better graphics, sure. But in terms of um, what we do within the studio, it wasn't that much different, right? We were just adding more maps, uh, more texture maps, <laughs> and then just working harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like uh, this, this photogrammetry, this ray tracing is a whole switch of uh, workflow, right? It's uh, it really demands us to focus more on creativity and less about tools and techniques, which like we've talked about is, is much more important. Um, I like to ask this of everybody. Uh, I heard somebody ask this once. I thought it was a great thing, especially for us artists. Uh, how much of your success do you think is talent? Uh, how much of it is hard work? How much of it is luck? Uh I think a lot of it, for me at least, has been hard work and luck. Yeah. <laughs> a talent, uh, I don't know. A talent, it's not like I was born with a Cintiq, right? It's not yeah. It's not something that was passed on to me. I don't think my lineage had artists or too many artists on it. I think it helps if you are surrounded by artists, right, if your family's all made up of artists and you're surrounded by that, of course, that's going to rub off. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's more about luck. Um, it's more about being around opportunities. Yeah. And so I've always been thankful. You know, I, my first job kind of set me off on a path. You know, I, I applied everywhere, as most students would. And I got lucky where one of those places were 2K, was 2K. And this was right off of when Bioshock was such a cult classic, right? Everybody was raving about it the year before. And it just happened that they opened up a studio in California where the original team is in Boston, right? Had no idea what it was. Was just hoping that it was a job. Maybe it was NBA 2K, had no idea. But I, I had an artwork piece that appealed to the lead environment artist there that was somewhat it looked like it was uh, inspired from Bioshock, which it was. And so, again, that was it came from a personal uh, place where I was playing the game. It, it was reminiscent of games that I used to play when I was younger. Uh, it kind of like that dark, spooky. And it was Art Deco, which, you know, I've never seen in a game before. Uh, stylistically, I just loved every part about it. Uh, and though I was kind of emulating with fan work, right, fan art, mm-hmm. I I kind of made it my own, right? I didn't just take an environment from the game and recreated it. I, I kind of wanted to do my own uh, environment with a Bioshock twist on top of it, right? So it was more a personal expression and then some Bioshock flavor. <laughs> I wish I still have it. But... And at the same time, I don't because I'm sure it looks like crap. <laughs> it doesn't age as well. <laughs> but but that was, the, like again, creating opportunities, right? I applied yeah. everywhere, which to this day I tell students not to do. <laughs> don't just, just blindly apply to play. Apply, do some, like, precision, uh, precision strikes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, apply to places that you want to work at and then ha- have your portfolio kind of tailored towards that workplace, right? Yeah, but I was just lucky enough to catch someone's eye over there. Brought me in for an interview. They weren't looking for junior level artists; they were looking for seniors. So I actually came in fresh from school, taking like a senior art test uh, before passed that. But then there was an on campus one, didn't quite pass that. But they liked me enough. Uh, I conducted myself enough within the interview where they're like, you know, we're gonna create a position for you. We weren't gonna hire any junior or mid-level for this project. We just want all senior, but because I came across in my interview well and I was uh, showing promise and potential that they created a position for me. So that that's something that I, it has more to do with luck and hard work. Um, I, I don't see it at all as talent. There was nothing about talent, uh, about me that got me that job. It was, it was purely just me liking what I like and then mm-hmm. just putting out there and just was lucky enough to apply to the right place. 
Brandon, thank you so much, my friend. That's I really appreciate you taking the time. Of course, man. Thanks again, Ryan. Yeah. So guys, uh, artstation.com forward slash Brandon Femme and then Game Dev Unchained. And you can also find him at GoDemix. Uh, and, uh, and there you go. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thank you guys for being here. And uh, thanks again for sharing everything. I really, really appreciate it. Um, of course, Ryan. So. I'm a big fan of yours, man. Been, thanks. Been watching your tutorials forever. Thanks. I appreciate that. I won't blame my bad anatomy on you, though. That's just purely my – I'm just terrible <laughs> at anatomy. But I've been loving loving everything you've been doing for the community. Uh, that's great. Thanks. All right. Take care. Thanks, right, guys. Take care. Have that's a good you. one. You too. Bye. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.